It's June 15, 2022. Welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe right here on Hawaii Public Radio where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lam. This week, we will jump right into our conversation about what enables the internet in Hawaii. And of course, I'd like to welcome uh, Cliff Miyake. He's the VP of Business Development from Ocean Networks and he's here to talk about a recent contract to design some key strategic infrastructure for enabling the internet. Hey, Cliff, welcome to Bite Marks Cafe. Hey, how's it, Bert? Good afternoon. And, you know, just by way of a little bit of background, <clears throat> Cliff, uh, you've been in the telecom business for quite a while, right? And then uh, uh, maybe you can harken back to those days when you were, what, at uh, Hawaiian Tel and then Time Warner and... <laughs> Yeah, Hawaiian Tel, Oceanic, uh, became Time Warner Telecom, which became TW Telecom, which became Level 3. Yeah, and, and, and what kind of work were you doing when you were involved with those companies? Well, you know, back in the Hawaiian Telecom days, we were in that interesting different group called New Ventures, mm-hmm. which was looking to do things like design and build data centers and uh, kind of modernize things a little bit uh, off, not the core of the business of uh, tele- telecom that Hawaiian Tel was up to at the point. And then, uh, you know, it was uh, moved over to Oceanic, actually, mm-hmm. when they decided they wanted to try and figure out how to put telephone signals over the cable network and ended up being spun out to a different company called Time Warner Telecom, and uh, which became TW Telecom. Well, you know, and, and <clears throat> Cliff, you've been uh, involved with uh, this whole telecom industry and, and um, you know, when and in, in the interest of full disclosure, I mean, when I started at uh, uh, DBED looking at uh, broadband and, and you were one of the first people that I had r- contacted and, and reconnected with and, and you were involved with a project uh, to actually get Hawaii connected even back in, in twenty. 2018, right? I mean, there was a, a project to do um, like a Trans-Pacific uh, fiber connection project back then. Yep, we we were we we're looking at uh, doing one, uh, but I think what ended up happen, happening is uh, we actually got some capacity on Japan-US, mm-hmm. which actually now is uh, 22 years old, um, and I believe the owners are actually discussing uh, getting ready to turn it off in about three to five years. So that would not be good for Hawaii because that's one less system, right? Well, and, you know, this goes to kind of more about what Ocean Networks does. And maybe you can share a little bit about the company that you're currently at uh, called Ocean Networks. Sure, sure, yeah. So Ocean Networks uh, is actually um, out of the East Coast, out of about an hour 20 north of, uh, 20 minutes north of Atlanta. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But with strong Hawaii ties, there's a lot of people in the company who are very involved with the uh, design and build of Hyphen and some of the previous um, cable systems and, and, in and, Hawaii. And just so our listeners know what hyphen is, what does hyphen stand for? Hawaii Island Fiber Network. Uh-huh. Um, and so uh, they, you know, they are principals of the company, and they have a big fondness for the islands, always follow the islands. Um, and they have uh, started up a company, and somehow I ended up working with them, traveling back and forth, living part-time in Georgia and more time here in Hawaii, but 
you know, doing the long, very long distance commute. And uh, so the company has two parts. One part of the company, we actually take old retired cable systems. We rehab them, refurbish them, bring them back to life and convert them from communications use to science, mm-hmm. research and education use. And and, and those kinds of applications are more about uh, leveraging that infrastructure as sensors, right? Yes. Um, uh, taking the system a uh, thousand, few thousand kilometers out to sea, um, disconnecting the rest of the system, uh, which is then picked up by another company and recycled, so it's kind of good for the environment. Uh, then the piece that's left that goes back to land, we make sure um, it can carry up to about 10 gigabits of data. Uh, get it working again, uh, attach sensor packages on the end, which collects all the data, tsunami detection, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. earthquake detection, uh, um, climatology data, you know, to try and track with global warming and all. There's a big interest in trying to track things. So over time, um, we'll probably have these systems all over the world. So you create a system gathering the data, and it goes back to all the research institutions so to their databases and they can then you know use the data in their modeling mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's that's one aspect of what ocean networks does yes uh, what are what are some of the, what's the other one I mean the, the the kind of the main one and how you and I got working on some of these projects is uh, trans-pacific fiber right. systems right so uh, ocean networks also has another part of the company we design build and operate uh, brand new cable systems mm-hmm. continent to continent and, um, yeah, that's how we kind of got uh, talking again. Uh, we were looking to build a system to Hawaii. Um, we have still have that in the plans, but uh, originally I think we were a bit overly ambitious because we were going to build a system from Florida to Panama, Panama down to Chile, down the west coast of South America, and also a leg from Panama to Hawaii. So we've kind of scaled that back a bit, and we're doing just one segment at a time. So the first segment we're working on is Florida to Panama. Mm-hmm. The second segment we'd like to do is Panama to Hawaii. Um, also, as we looked at doing more in Hawaii, uh, we realized the age of the inner island systems are kind of creeping up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some of the, the systems, say Hyphen, good example, I believe there was an outage a couple years ago between Kauai and Oahu. So it's kind of showing the issues with these systems. Um, With that said, we started looking at the islands and looking at what can be done as far as putting in a new system. So we've done some preliminary design work. uh, And in the meantime, uh, there was a uh, bid put out by the uh, RCUH, UH via RCUH, to take a look at the existing infrastructure to land cables in the islands. And uh, what was found is uh, we probably need to get some diversity and some redundancy uh, built in. Um, Also creating new landing points that would attract some of these new trans-Pacific systems that in the past few years have totally just decided to bypass Hawaii because they found it very difficult to try and land here. So I guess the state, uh, the legislators, and some of the congressional folks looked at the situation, and, you know, they kind of thought through it, and through their wisdom they decided if they could get the funding together to do a study to uh, 
take a look at how to fix that situation. Um, now, with all these new federal funds that are available, the once in a lifetime federal grants for broadband um, to you know uh, increase connectivity, um, some of that money will be used to do a study. Uh, there was a bid put out. We responded, and uh, we were awarded. Uh, and we just started it in the past week. Well, you know, we'll, let's get into some of the details of what that study might include. But as as a, a quick uh, a background in terms of Hawaii's means of connecting to the internet, uh, I know that when you know <clears throat> when I first started the the idea of of broadband connectivity, many people thought that broadband just sort of uh, rained from the heavens. <laughs> yeah, but it's really due to these trans-Pacific fiber optic cables, right? Right, right. If if uh, you know if you you Googled it and Googled the internet, say, and uh, Google uh, the internet networks, you'll find that the internet itself runs on undersea cables that connect all the different continents globally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's that's basically the internet lies underwater. Mm-hmm. Um, there are transmissions that happen uh, up to space to geo- geosynchronous satellites, but there's a big delay mm-hmm. in uh, the time it goes up and time it comes back down, as well as it's very limited. The um, satellites, transponders, have a very limited capacity. Mm-hmm. And based on the streaming content that happens in the world today with you know all the Netflix and movies and real-time streaming, uh, for uh, say defense applications and some other things, um, yeah, th- you, the satellites won't work. Yeah, you need more. You need more bandwidth. You need more uh, higher, <coughs> higher throughput in terms of uh, latencies. Right, right. So um, it comes back to the cables, right? Yeah. The undersea cables. Also, you know, some of the new satellites people are talking about Starlink and mm-hmm. all that also has a limitation. I it does. Um, transmit a lot more capacity than previously. Uh, however, it's going to be good for uh, rural areas that are hard to reach. But I think for the bulk of the data, it's still going to be on the undersea cables. And then uh, <clears throat> you're kind of mentioning some of the existing inner island systems. And I'd like to have you go into a little bit more detail as to the age and what is uh, p- potentially at risk you know, with uh, with the inner island system. So we'll hold that thought. We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Cliff Miyake, VP of Business Development over at Ocean Networks. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Welcome back. This is Bite Marsh Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And if you're just joining us, we're talking to Cliff Miyake, Vice President of Business Development over at Ocean Networks. We're talking about some of the series of tubes that make up the Internet. And, you know, right before the break, we're going to get into some of the actual tubes that enable Hawaii to get connected. And, of course, I use this term, (laughs) series of tubes, because back in the old days when uh, we had Senator like Ted Stevens of Alaska describing what connected you know, different places to the internet. Uh, he used that phrase, a series of tubes. But I do that somewhat jokingly. Uh, but in you know, in 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 the 
in case of in the case of Hawaii, I mean, you know, as you mentioned, fiber optics is key. Uh, the submarine fiber cables are key. It's the Trans-Pacific fiber cables as well as inner island fiber cables. And, you know, the inner island systems are pretty um, limited. I mean, they're, they're actually, we're susceptible to uh, the fact that uh, two of the three are really old. You got Hyphen, as you mentioned, and another one called Hicks, which right. is the Hawaii what island communication systems or something like that? Yep. Hawaii. yep. And <clears throat> and those two systems are are well into the twenty plus twenty five year age limit. Right. So you right. got two Hicks and and Hyphen, and then the third system is Paniolo. So that's the inner island systems that connect Hawaii. And basically, what you're describing is the fact that uh, uh, there's no there's a lack of redundancy if. In, in fact, the two are old, and there's only one system, you know, that provides the connectivity across the islands. Right, right. So the design, technical design life of fiber, undersea fiber systems, is 25 years. There's a way to extend it and make them go longer. Uh, Hicks itself, uh, which was the first, you know, fiber system between the islands, that's 28 years old right now. So we're three years be- beyond the design life. Mm-hmm. Um, hyphen is 22 years old and hyphen has had at least, uh, I think three for sure failures that I know, but it might have been four Mm -hmm, due mm -hmm. to cable cuts and repairs that have had to happen. Um, Paniolo, it's a much newer system. However, um, I don't know too many entities that have access to it. And I don't know how it's going to pan out in the future. You know, it was going through a bankruptcy hearing and some other legal issues. But I think all that's cleared up. Um, But I still don't think the bandwidth's available on that system widely to, you know, the general user base. I think uh, the other opportunity that exists is the fact that uh, if you're dependent on one system, you know, and it's... uh, uh, for the most part, controlled by one company, then you're a little susceptible in terms of alternatives. And so with the, with the uh, contract that you folks have to identify some new cable landing sites, what does, that, what does that bring to Hawaii? What does that enable Hawaii to do? Okay, so one of the things is even with the existing systems, they all share like common landing points. So you have single points of failure on the different islands. So the contract we're working on now is to establish on the four main islands at minimum two landing points that are new, that are diverse, physically away from anything that exists today. Um, We also have to, in the design, look at how from the beach where the manhole is and the cable comes ashore, Mm -hmm. how do you connect it to where it's got to get to the data centers Mm -hmm. where the actual communications transfer back and forth? Um, We have to take that in account and make sure that that's available. Um, Part of the study is to actually recommend new ways to do it um, to get some diversity even in the lands, land segments. Mm-hmm. And, and describe what is involved with actually bringing a cable from deep underneath the ocean onto land. What, what, what's involved with actually doing that? Um, well, you have to have the beach manhole 
Um, for the inner island system, it's very different from trans-Pacific systems. The inner island systems, you don't have to uh, put uh, active power on the systems. You can actually uh, use the light, the, the laser onshore, and it can reach between the islands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like trans-Pacific systems, uh, you can't do that. There's not enough power. So you actually have to put active power in the systems, and you have to have what's called repeaters or regenerators that regenerate the signal. Between the islands, we don't have to do that. Um, so to get, the, well, you know, you, you actually, when you design the system, you have to do what's called a route survey where you actually look at the whole path that you're going to lay a cable between islands, mm-hmm. um, map it, uh, you have to make sure you take into account any obstacles, anything that could damage the cable, and you try to design the route in a way that it mitigates the risk or goes around all of that. We also are going to look at uh, shipping that happens, try and figure out how to minimize the risk of ships coming in. Mm-hmm. And, um, like anchor drags. and Yeah, yeah. In the islands, the, the one of the biggest things is uh, the barges, mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. that go between the islands. There's these long chains that the tugs use to pull the barge. As the barge comes in towards the harbor, mm-hmm. the, the tugs are slowing down. The barge is slowing down, but the ch- chain is, you know, very long in between. Mm-hmm. If they don't winch it up onto mm-hmm. the tug fast enough to take up the slack, It'll drag on the bottom. So any cable that's laying in its path could get caught up in that chain and just ripped apart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we have to look at that and figure out how to, um, you know, minimize. design around it yeah. and minimize yeah. any damage that could occur. And so you had mentioned that for each island, they're looking at a couple of uh, uh, cable landing spots to provide uh, diversity uh, in terms of landing. And so we're talking... Uh, what the major islands? You got Kauai, Oahu, Maui, and the Big Island. So you're yes. looking at two on each of those islands. Yep, and and as far away from each other as possible. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. good example is Kauai. We may be looking at something very far on the northwest, almost the end of the northwest end of the island, and the other location would be more towards Lihue, more towards the center of the island. Mm-hmm. We've actually also took a taken a look at the route as you leave say, Lihue past Kapa'a and heading towards Princeville. We actually looked at that whole shoreline and tried to find, identify additional locations. So that, you know, kind of tells you the scope of what we're looking at. You know, when you, you, you um, began by saying that a lot of times the Trans-Pacific projects bypass Hawaii because uh, the, the challenge to actually land here uh, presents an obstacle. Yeah, there's there's a few things with you know with regard to that. One of the things is Hawaii is notorious for having this uh, very difficult uh, two year plus process to get permits to uh-huh, land the cable, right, right. which adds tremendous costs and frustration to a lot of the the company to, uh, companies that are looking to design and build. Uh, the other thing is once they get to Hawaii, uh, real estate. You know, you got to have a plot of land to put the cable landing mm-hmm, in. Mm-hmm. You got to build a station. Price of real estate can be pretty crazy in mm-hmm, Hawaii, mm-hmm. especially anything near shore. <laughs> it's prime real estate, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to take that into fact. Then once you're on shore, you have to then get the cable connected inland. Mm-hmm. Um, there's very few ways to do it in historically. And uh, the companies that own the assets that 
you would com you know transmit the data over know that there's not much competition there so the price prices they charge have been quite high in fact uh, when you take the price of Hawaii compared to anywhere else in the world you know there's a few places that may be higher but very few Hawaii is one of the most uh, highest cost locations so a couple things there uh, and 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 <clears throat> I'd like to get maybe to share a little bit about uh, the concept of middle mile as well as uh, the concept of you said price of land so what does you know what role perhaps does the state play in in helping to reduce the barrier for identifying where these ca cable landing sites are so we'll hold that thought we'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Cliff Miyake VP of business development over at Ocean Networks this is Bite Marks Cafe <music> Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Cliff Miyake, VP of Business Development over at Ocean Networks, and we're talking about uh, building some key strategic infrastructure that enables Hawaii's internet backbone. And right before the break, um, Cliff, you were talking about uh, some of the things that uh, are involved with with identifying where a cable would land and some of the things that if you were to do a private uh, company investment into this uh, landing, what you might have to do, like buy land and <clears throat> make sure that you take care of all the permitting and, and make sure that there's this middle mile connection, middle mile connection to get from the cable landing to other other facilities. Uh, what is what is um, what is your approach, I guess, to identifying where these landing places would be? Does the state play a role in, in helping to uh, provide some of the the locations for landing? Yeah, you know, when we uh, were writing up and doing the research to get ready to bid, one of the things the state did say is the state said to please consider using state properties mm -hmm. that are uh, adjacent to the seashore or on the seashore. So we took a look at uh, locations that could work, and we found quite a few. Um, we included that in our response. Um, also, for the cable... Uh, stations, as you would normally call them, but basically we're going to call them interconnection points. Uh, the state said there are some state facilities that might have uh, usable space in it that uh, with a little bit of work and conversion can be cre uh, converted to the type of facility that you could terminate a cable in and do a cross-connect type mm -hmm. facility in. Mm -hmm. So we identified a few. The state did step forward um, and say, yep, these are ones that can be used. So they're being included in the design. Now, um, as part of the study, we're going to evaluate uh, each location and, and, and uh, write up what needs to happen to convert them or make them ready, I guess, cable system ready, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, both from the landing points to include the interconnection points. Mm-hmm. Now, in uh, you know, when we were looking at it, we were looking at uh, spots in on Oahu, like particularly in Kaka'ako. Has that has that stayed the same, or is that different? Are you looking at some different sites? 
So Kakako is still uh, a primary point of uh, being uh, evaluated. Uh, Kakako is a fairly complex location Mm -hmm. due to the shipping traffic Mm -hmm. that's out Mm -hmm. front, as well as the recreational use of the seashore very close by because there's a lot of snorkeling and different type of tour boats that use it. They do drop anchor, so, uh, you know, it gives Mm -hmm. gives one pause as you evaluate that. Uh, But there are ways to um, uh, secure the approach of a cable uh, to mitigate those risks. Um, so that's one location. Uh, another location we're looking at is uh, towards Kahe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are a lot of systems. That whole west coast mm-hmm. of Oahu are where historically all the cables have come in. But we're looking something on the very edge of that. Um, and we're looking at kind of a unique situation that might be there. And we're going to do more research and include this, that in the evaluation of our study. We are also looking, interestingly enough, we're looking out on the east shore to uh, locations that have not been looked at before. So we're doing some evaluation, and that's Oahu. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. um, Molokai and Lanai, there's some uh, interesting spots. Lanai is kind of, you know, the harbor is kind of the only real place to come in. But um, in our evaluation of Lanai, we'll look at the existing cable that comes in. We'll look at pathing the new cable away from it and putting the landing point away from what's there today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Maui, we're looking at uh, the Kihe area. We're also looking in Kahului, which has never been done before. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at different spots in Kahului that uh, would be a good place to land a cable. On the Big Island, we're looking at Hilo. The, no cable has ever gone into Hilo, so we're thinking that might be a good location. Um, also, a lot of the communications needs are in Hilo. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, historically, everything's come in in Kauai High, and then it has to be trans, you know, transmitted all the way across island. So perhaps we can do a new landing in Hilo. We're evaluating different spots there. We're also looking at the Kona side. Because uh, there's a location that might be really good to land a cable. Also, as part of the study, what the state wanted us to look at was, um, in addition to inter-island landings, uh, international or trans-Pacific landings, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and to uh, at least recommend two new international landings that can be built. So we're looking at two. We might come up with three, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And these would uh, be on... On could be on one on Oahu, could be one on a big island. Yes, yeah, and yeah. maybe one on Maui or one on Kauai. So we're taking a look at all the different and tried. Uh, the recommendation will uh, basically say what makes the most sense. Also, if you're building a new inner island system, even though you're having international cables come into different parts of the state, you can now use the new inner island system to connect. Now, you know, this uh, study that you folks are doing is actually a, a rather quick turnaround, right? I mean, this has got to be due back to the state in, what, 60 days? Yeah. A lot of times you you, you can take up to six months to do a study of this type, but we're, uh, we're, we're working on getting it done in 60. Wow, that's going to be fast. And uh, uh, real quick, I mean, where when do you plan to sort of share some of this with the public so that we can get sort of public support for this? Well, you know, that's kind of, uh, we'll, we'll write it up. We're turning it into the RCOH. Um, I believe they do have a plan to make some of it, uh, the data public. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what exactly that plan is, uh, um, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, obviously, <laughs> there's still, this is at the beginning phase, so we're right. still at the early start of identifying locations and then 
Uh, yeah. I think uh, there's a whole effort to share some of the stuff that's going out. I mean, of course. You Definitely. Know. As we go through the process, I, I believe we're going to have the ability to share um, as it evolves with with everyone so people know what's going on. That's right. As much as possible. And of course, uh, and where can people find out more about the Ocean Networks? Uh, www.oceannetworks.com. Very good. I'll put that up on our show notes. Cliff Miyake is the VP of Business Development from Ocean Networks, and I want to thank you for joining us today. Yeah, you're welcome. Glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we'll talk about a media conference called Connecting in a Zero Trust World. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And of course, our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and of course, your favorite podcast application. In the meantime, you stay safe, you stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marsh Cafe. And of course, stay tuned. Reveal is next. <laughs>